for our time in the Word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. This is a very personal letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. It's his final letter that we have preserved in, in the scriptures that really is um, passing the baton of ministry onto a younger person in the ministry, Timothy. And so let me just kind of set a stage for you quickly. Um, let's talk Timothy first. Timothy is a young man. Just think of Seth, a young man um, loving the Lord, saved you know, um, living for him. But Timothy's got a problem. Timothy is, is timid. He's shy. His personality is not a, a go-out, go-getter and willing to risk everything. He, he's not. He's timid. He's, got, he's shy. We also know that from the, from the whole book of 2 Timothy that, that Timothy seems to be ashamed. He's ashamed of the Lord and he's ashamed of Paul because every place Paul goes, there's a riot, a rebellion, or imprisonment. And Jesus and the cross was um, not nicely spoken of in that culture, in the Roman culture. So Timothy had a very hard time standing up for truth and for Jesus Christ. And so he was feeling ashamed. But we also know that he was letting, possibly letting his doctrine slip. He was maybe losing the edge of holding fast to God's word. We also know that maybe some character flaws were beginning to creep in or might creep in if he continues in this um, state of fear and panic. And it appears from this book that Timothy was, was getting ready to quit. And he just needed somebody to come along and say, don't quit. Keep going, but not only keep going, give it your all. Give your relationship to G- Jesus Christ everything that you've got. Pour everything into it. It is worth it in the end to put all of your treasure in Jesus. It really is. Lisa, Seth, it is vital and important that your whole life be used for the glory of God. You're going to be tempted and swayed to live for yourself or to live for the world, but the true value and the true treasure of your life will come in giving everything, pouring all of your heart and soul and energy into the gospel and into your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that's Timothy. What's Paul? Paul's state of circumstance. He's uh, an older man in his probably mid-60s or something, and he has finished now um, his missionary journeys, He's been busy on the mission field, traveling some 20,000 miles across the Roman Empire, establishing churches, preaching, teaching, but he's imprisoned. Most likely, he's in Rome in this maybe Mamertine prison, which was a circular dungeon under the ground level, and you would be let in either by a rope or down a ladder of some kind, and you could fit maybe 30 prisoners down there, and the sewage of Rome ran alongside the prison, and all they would have to do is open up the door, and the sewage of Rome would sweep into that circular dungeon and sweep out the prisoners, and then they'd have room to drop 30 more in there. It was like the last hope. It was the last place you'd spend your existence, and this is where the Apostle Paul probably is. We don't, we're not given the fact that it's the Mamertine prison, but many people believe it's the, a prison like that. But we know this. He's suffering. He's been labeled an evildoer. Um, many of his friends have left him. Many people in Asia who once followed the Lord and served the Lord. We're no longer doing that. And Paul, I think, is almost feeling like, who is going to, when I die, who is going to take the gospel and move on and give it to others? And he knows he's got a friend in Timothy. So he's going to write to Timothy here to strengthen Timothy and to encourage him to not give up, 
but to go all the distance, to go all the way with everything that he has for the Lord Jesus Christ. So take a look here at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look with me at verse 3. Let's pray first. Father, thank you for this text of Scripture. And as we just briefly take a look at some of the key points of it, I pray that you would encourage Seth and Lisa and remind them of these things. Just help them to hold fast to these truths all of the days of their life on earth. We know that our value and our, our treasure and the purpose of our life is to glorify and to please you. And I pray that Seth and Lisa will find that, that that's, that will be the statement of their life when they, when they get to the end of their life and they can look back. Let them say that they have lived well, that they have fought the fight, they have run the race, and they have served Jesus with all of their passion. And so, Father, thank you for this, um, this man and this, this uh, woman of God, and I pray that you will continue to build them up in the most holy faith. To the praise, honor, and glory of Jesus. Amen. So, verse 3. Here's, here's how Paul begins his, his explanation. I thank God. Now notice, he's in prison, ready to die. He knows at any time his his head is going to be cut off, and he says, hey, I still thank God. But he says, whom I serve. Look at that. Where is Paul's loyalty and allegiance? It is to the Lord Jesus Christ. His loyalty, his allegiance, everything is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he uses a very priestly term. I thank God, whom I serve. Literally, it's a priestly worship term, meaning priestly duties and sacrifices and intercessions. So he, Paul looked at his whole life as a sacrifice, as a high priest offering sacrifices to the Lord. Not animal sacrifices, but fruit of his lips, Hebrews 13, good works, Hebrews 13 also. Um, reaching lost people for Jesus, Romans uh, 14 says that's a sacrifice. You know, basically, he just saw his life as a whole life of service to the Lord. And then he says this, whom I serve with a pure conscience. There was no conflict in his heart between him and God or him and others. He had a clean and a pure conscience. Listen, Seth, Lisa, and all of you, live life with a pure conscience. Be right between you and the Lord and be right with you and others. And this is what Paul had the freedom in. He could thank the Lord, whom he had given allegiance to, to serve with his whole life, and he could do it with a pure conscience, one that wasn't marred by sin and strife and and hurt. And then listen to this, as my forefathers did. What a phrase. See, Paul knew the gospel wasn't all about him. He knew Abraham had the gospel, Genesis 15, 6. Isaac, it was passed on generation after generation. And think of Hebrews 11, the godly men and women of faith. They were all in this link from Adam and Eve, passing on the gospel one generation after another, one person after another. And Paul said, listen, Timothy, I am just one link in the chain. I am worshiping the same Lord Jesus Christ that our forefathers did, and now I'm leaving the scene and I'm passing it on to you. Seth, Lisa, you are one link in the chain of the gospel that starts with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when God said, the seed of the woman shall crush the devil's head, the the serpent's head. And that good news was passed on and on and on. You are in this long link of godly men and women that are that the truth is being passed on to. Do you, know what, do you know what a huge responsibility that is? For all of us in this room that are believers, then we are, saving, we are serving the same God as the Apostle Paul and Timothy, and it's been passed on and on. My sister passed it on to me, and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, and now I'm passing the good news on to others, and hopefully they will place their trust in Jesus Christ. But listen, what happens if all of us just give up, if we stop serving, if we stop giving the gospel? 
well, we break, the ch- we break the chain, we break the momentum, and so we want to keep passing on the gospel. And don't ever forget that you are a vital part of God's plan in having truth and passing it on to others. So he says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. Timothy obviously was a man that was with his fears and different troubles, uh, overwhelmed with tears, um, that I may be filled with joy. Look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. You know what Paul knew about Timothy? He knew Timothy had an authentic faith. I really like what Lisa said, that in her high school years, her faith had to become her own. It was easy in a Christian school not to have to stand up. But listen, you cannot live on the faith of your father's or grandfathers, or your mothers, or grandmothers, your faith has to be your own. You have to come to a point where you say, these convictions are mine. I really believe that I'm a sinner deserving eternal death and punishment. I really believe that God sent his son to be born in the flesh, fully God, fully man, and that Jesus died for me, for my sins, and rose again from the dead, and my faith is in him. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be the real thing. You can't just play games with it. It's, this is real life. This is battleground. This is heaven and hell. This is eternal destination. Paul could say, Timothy, I just remember your genuine faith that, that abides in you. I know you're, you're the authentic thing. You're real. Boy, I'll tell you what, I've been in ministry 21 years, and I've seen, I've seen many, not many, but I've seen some profess Christ and have the excitement and enthusiasm, and then a year or two or a couple years later, they're nowhere to be found. And I think, wow, where is the genuine faith? Where is the authentic? This means life and death to me. This is, this, is, this is what matters to me. And I had to come to that point when I was saved, and then I had, to, I had to know, wow, this faith is mine. You know, I was 26, and so it was a little different for me. I was fully aware of what I was doing, and when I placed my faith in Christ, I, showed, I knew I'm never looking back. And, and Paul could say, Timothy, I remember your genuine faith. By the way, this faith that Timothy has in Jesus Christ. Um, it dwelt first in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. So well, isn't it neat? Generation after generation of truth being passed down. I think of the shingle deckers and I even think of the borchards and how the gospel is being passed down and now Seth and Lisa as young adults really moving into huge responsibility and lots of major decisions. They're grabbing that truth and they're going to do the same thing. Pass it on to their family and continuing on the progression of the gospel. But here are my quick points for tonight. My first point, listen, everybody, rekindle the gift that is, that is in you. Verse 6, because of this faith and because Timothy is one link in a long, chi- a long chain of gospel bearers, of people of great faith, Old Testament and New Testament, verse 6, here's an application. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. All right. This word, stir up the gift, it means to put another log on the fire, to kindle it up, to build it, to to make Jesus Christ your absolute passion. Don't have him be just something added onto your life. Have him be everything. Have him be your waking thought, your your closing thought of the day. Have him be involved in all of your studies and in all of the things that the military will do. Have him close. Have him being the one who lights the fire and ignites you, and then use your gifts, all right? Don't quench the spirit and don't, um, don't put the fire out through 
love of the world, love of the flesh, or any temptation that the devil might have. And so my first point, stir up the gift. Don't let it die. By the way, you know how this happens. It's intentional living. Nobody just wakes up with the fire stirred for Christ. You've got to intentionally nurture it. Nobody just drifts into godliness. It is intentional. All of the days of your life, you're pursuing truth in God's word. You're pursuing fellowship with other believers. You're intentionally witnessing to the last, and you're keeping the fire. It's not that we're maintaining the fire, but we have to keep that passion. We have to stir up the gift that lies within us. Secondly, verse 8. Therefore, here's another therefore. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So it seems like Timothy was a little ashamed about mentioning Jesus and talking about him publicly, and even the Apostle Paul, because Paul had such a bad name amongst most of the world. He, was, he had some shame. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. All right? Share with me. Enter into the same sufferings. And if you stand up to your faith and you end up in prison, so be it. We need what Lisa said, more young men and young women, older men and older women, standing up for the gospel. Our culture in America is destroying the, the faith of many young men and young women. I mean, you look at all the issues being pressed upon our culture um, by a minority of people in our country. Where are the Christians who will stand up and not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus? So I would say, if there was a point to this one, I would say risk your safety. So rekindle your gift and risk your safety. There's something radical about saying, I will pick up my cross daily and follow Christ. I will risk my ambitions, my future, my safety. I will risk everything for the gospel's sake. Do we realize how the Muslim faith is growing at such extreme rates? And it seems like Christianity has become more lax and complacent and apathetic than ever. And it seems like the whole world is drifting to a lake of fire. And very few Christians want to risk their own safety. Few want to risk their own lives. Few are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to use my time in the military to serve the Lord and to let others know about Jesus Christ. I'm going to use my time uh, learning uh, in the medical profession that people might hear and, and know and love Jesus Christ. Very few of us want to risk safety. We don't want to have shame and we don't want to have embarrassment and we don't want to have the sacrifice that it really takes to go out and say, Jesus Christ is everything to me. He, he is my Lord and he is my Savior. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you've, you've got to be a man. You've got, you've got to not be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ nor of me as prisoner. But actually share with me. In the, in the, and why should he share? Why should he risk his safety? Here's a few quick things. First of all, he should risk his safety because of the power of God. Because he says at the end of verse 8, Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Never forget the power of the Lord. There is no one greater. And if you are following him and if you are on his side, then nothing can defeat you. If God be for us, who can be against us? What's the answer? No one can. So in Romans 8, you have the Holy Spirit is for us. Romans 8, he's for us interceding uh, or bringing our requests and our weaknesses to the Lord. God is for us who can be against us. And Jesus Christ is for us sitting at the right hand, making intercession. So why, why should we risk our safety? Why should we risk our lives for Jesus? Because of his power, but also because of his salvation. Verse 9, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Don't ever forget that. 
You've been saved and called with a holy calling, not according to our works, just like Seth said, it's not by our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. So don't so remember God's power, remember, remember our salvation. Um, he has abolished death. So even if the world does its worst to us and kills us, well, Christ has already abolished it. It's, that's, that's not even an obstacle. It's not even a hindrance. So we risk our safety. And he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. But look at verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Paul saying, why am I willing to risk safety? Sitting in prison waiting for his head to get cut off? Why would he risk safety? Verse 12 tells us, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know. This word know in the Greek, it means he knows with absolute experiential knowledge. He has full awareness. He has experienced it. He knows it. It's not just something that is out there. It's something that he has come to know with absolute assurance. I know whom I have believed. Listen, we, it's not just that we believe a doctrine. We believe a person. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he is first in our thoughts and our heart, listen, we fight for doctrines all the time. We do. We're always fighting for doctrines, key doctrines, eternal security, all of these things we, we fight for. But really, when it comes down to it, why do I risk my safety for the gospel? Because of a person. It is because of Jesus Christ and the truth about him, which is what the doctrines are. But I can never forget that my passion is about a person, a real person. So when I'm teaching at the high school and I'm sharing the gospel and my kids are absolutely, like the other day we were talking at the end of a class, um, the bell was just ready to ring. Everybody was packing up their stuff. And um, I don't know, somebody mentioned something and, and, some, and, I, and I, I mentioned the fact that Jesus is God. And my students, after having listened to this for nine months, somebody said, you mean Jesus is, is fully God and fully man? And um, I mean, one question after another flowed out of that. And in between classes, I had a group of people that didn't want to leave my room because they were busy trying to figure out exactly what Jesus accomplished for us on, on, the, on the cross. But it's all about a person. So if I get the opportunity, it's all about who is Jesus Christ? What, is, you know, what has he done for the world? How has he redeemed us and purchased us out of our sin? So don't forget that. You risk your safety for a person, for Jesus Christ. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Paul was absolutely convinced that he is able, he has the power to keep that which I have committed to him. Paul committed his life, his soul, his ministry, everything in the trust of the Lord. He said... He said, Lord, this is my life. This is my agenda. This is my future. You get everything. I commit it to you. I entrust it to you. And I ask you to do what you will with it. You can never go wrong giving everything to the Lord. You just, you just can't go wrong. So God is able to guard what we have committed to him until that day. Until the day we're raptured or until the day we die and go to glory. Either way, whatever we entrust to him he keeps safe. So my first point, rekindle the gift. 
Don't ever let your passion for Jesus Christ dim. Don't ever let it get diminished through the lack of being in God's word, the lack of prayer, the enticements of the world or your flesh. Just always keep passionate for Jesus Christ. Secondly, be willing to risk your safety. Risk your future, risk your agenda. Some of the greatest men and women God used in the Bible had different occupations, but they were willing to risk their, their, their whole lives and everything for the gospel. And then finally, uh, look at verse 13. Retain God's word. Another R. Retain God's word. Hold fast to God's word. Here's how Paul says it. Hold fast the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me, in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So, the doctrine of the scriptures, the truth about Jesus Christ, we hold fast. We retain it. It's our priority. Be students of the word of God more than anything else. Put your effort and time into knowing God's word and holding fast to God's word. And then he ends with this, verse 14. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, in us. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. There were many, many people in Paul's life that after a time went away. They went aside. They, they stopped serving. They stopped relaying God's deposit. So we rekindle the fire. We risk our lives. We risk our safety for the gospel. We retain God's word. We never lo- lose hold of God's word. And then we relay God's deposit. We're always passing it on. And Paul looked at all the people of Asia that he administered to, and one after another had dropped out of the race. They had just quit. I think the average life of a Christian serving the Lord is now less than three years. It's between three and four years. They're born again. They're excited about Jesus. They're busy serving. And after three or four years, they're burnt out. They're tired of it all. Don't ever let that happen. It is not just how you start the race. You guys have started the race well. It is finishing well. It is finishing strong. It is ending with your last breath on earth saying, I have served the Lord with all my heart. I have done everything I could to give the gospel, to hold fast to God's word, to risk my life and my agenda and everything that I desire so that God will be glorified. I mean, that's the goal is what, what's the last day of your life look like? And for many of these in Asia, they turned away from Paul. And then two of them are especially noted, Phygelus and Hermogenes. But verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you, do you know what God has committed to both you, uh, Lisa and Seth, and actually all of you believers? God has entrusted or committed to you the gospel message. That's what you've been entrusted with. What will you do with the gospel? I look at the men and women that are dying every day, in our community, in our area, and they are lost. They have no hope of eternal life. They have no understanding that our gracious God came to earth, bore our sin in his body, rose again from the dead, and offers eternal life to everyone who believes. They just don't hear it. I have 90 students that have heard it now for nine months, but Many of them have said they've never set foot in a church. 
They're never going to come here to hear the gospel. I will guarantee you that. They will never just walk in this building, sit down and hear the gospel and get saved. I doubt it. I need to bring the gospel to them. So we need to, as part of this link of the gospel with our forefathers, we need to take the truth and relay it to others. That's our, our mission, our ministry, is taking the gospel and giving it to others. So rekindle your gift. Don't ever let the fire go out. Risk your safety. Retain God's word and relay the deposit. Relay the truth of God's word to everybody that's around you. So those are some, hopefully, some things to think about as uh, both for Seth and Lisa as they embark on just a tremendous journey that God's bringing them on. But then also for everybody here, every believer, we need to do the same thing. You've been given the great gospel, and we need to be responsible for it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for the Apostle Paul, even in these months before he uh, died under the hand of Nero, he was concerned about the gospel. He was concerned about Timothy not giving up, not quitting, not being ashamed. He wanted Timothy to take that baton and run with the gospel. So, Father, I thank you for Seth and Lisa that both have a faith that is genuine. It is authentic. They own their own faith. They know that they believe in Jesus Christ. And they know that whatever they commit to you, whether it be their lives, their agenda, their future, their rights, their pleasures, whatever they commit to you, you will be faithful to keep. Um, But, Father, we also know that you've given them a great responsibility in the gospel. So I pray that you will bless both of them as they go about their adulthood years. Use them effectively in ministry. I pray many people will be saved as a result of their lives and their, their gospel message that they proclaim. And Father, I pray that you would um, use them in mighty ways as they consecrate their lives to you. Thank you again, Father, that each one of us have a great responsibility with the gospel. We need to be passionate about Jesus, faithful in our lives, and diligent to give the word to other people so that they can be saved. So give us these opportunities this week. And um, again, thank you for this evening where we can recognize some just great achievements of two very special young people in our church. May you be glorified in their lives. Amen.